Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. Wait, wait, what wait, is do up? that again. Do that again. Do it you again. You are hot. Is he oh, not? Oh, I'm hot? It's, it's, uh-huh. I can't. Because I'm holding the mic. I cannot let I'm that be the first thing that people hear. I'm holding the mic. That's I need why. them to tune in to what Kamal has to say. Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan. And it's me, Rachel Lindsay. Van, coming in hot. Coming in hot. hot. Coming in hot from Hawaii. We are Talk uh, to us about it. Kalika yeah. and I are staying at the Four Seasons Resort in Lanai. Where we're Fancy. doing the, the Optimal Well-Being Package, which is great. Um, but, you know, it's a lot. Why is there you a but? No, 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 no. You are in Hawaii. Opt- optimal well being. Yeah, yeah, but it's what, not. It's really it not a vac- It's really not a vacation, though. It's really not. But don't you have the ability to say no if you don't want to do something? What do you think? Do you think that I'm a, I'm allowed to say no? no you're right. what, what, what are your thoughts? You're right. No. <laughs> you're right. I don't know. You know, you wake up and you got to do stuff, and like they, but it's cool. They're, I'm gonna learn. This is the reset for me. I'm okay. going to learn a lot more about my body, and then I'm going to carry it through, get back to my fitness goals. You know, they've done all kinds of stuff. I've had to step over bars and lay down, and they're telling me about your range of motion and different things. This is great. It's great. It's great. We, we did a 90-minute couples holly where you go to this little shack, and they got, uh, you know, like a, a hot tub. and A love uh, shack. Yeah, a love shack, baby. <laughs> you feel me? And then you go um, – we went to a uh, on a sunset sail last night. Um, I s- on this the sounds ocean. amazing. And we were bumping <laughs> up and down, and we saw dolphins. So it was cool. Aww. It was cool. It's still, you know, still vacation is you go to the beach, you lay down. You ha- I had, a, you know, what I had yesterday. I had a couple of my dice. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I had a oh. little bit of a. I had a, I, I had a little <laughs> my die. Okay, you, Mr. Lathan, Mr. Lathan, would you like something to drink? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Bring me a mic die. You should have brought a drink like. to the podcast. You should have, but you set the mood. No, set the tone. no I, got, I got real important things to talk about. Listen, there's two people, types of people on vacation. I'm what? assuming you're the other one. Some people like to do something every single day. They like to stay moving. They like to explore. Other people just like to sit and chill and do yeah. nothing. Mm-hmm. I take it you're the I, latter. I like to just fucking hang out you know what i mean it's like so I, I, I and because my stress level's been up lately it was very stressful getting out here like i was stressed out on the plane you know mm-hmm. turbulence i haven't flown in a while and then you I have get to that. get on a smaller plane to get to this island like a six-seater and it is it's so that bitch had a propeller on it i'm like what i can't do that so i gotta I, get back on that hole later on this week it's just ugh. y'all can't take a boat I might, I might ask, man. I, I feel you it, on even that. If the, even if the boat is like two hours. Doesn't it's matter. A 20 minute, it's a 20-minute plane ride. Even if the boat is like two hours, I might still take the, still take I the feel you. boat. There's got to be another option. Yeah, there has to be another option. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. If not, I'll get back on the fucking plane. You know? All right. <laughs> uh, how was your weekend, Rach? I worked all weekend. But you worked. I went to my first red carpet live and in person, worked it, didn't attend. But here's the thing. It was at SoFi Stadium. They had a full out concert. So it was a little weird. It's a little weird being back. You had to be vaccinated to attend. 
if you're the press, you had to take like the the PCR test, the intense test. But it was kind of cool feeling that energy of being back, uh, live concert, all about getting the vaccine globally out to countries that aren't, you know, getting them as fast as we are in the United States. Yeah, very big deal. So it was a it was called Vax Live. It actually is going to air mm. this weekend. Vax <laughs> okay. Live. It's called Vax Live. It airs this weekend. And uh, yeah, it was fun talking to people. People were happy to be on the red carpet, talking to, just so to be out fun. for a good cause. Okay. Okay. Why don't why doesn't why so far use that? They should. You, you, twisted, twisted, hide in the ceiling. Ooh, it's the ultimate feeling. You got me twisted, feeling so gifted. Why don't you come down to so far? Oh, Raiders, how you get so fine? Oh, Rams, how you get so fine? Chargers, how you get so fine? They, they should do that. They, they should take. They should remix that bitch. You got me twisted. It's cute. They, who, who sings should, it? Baby Bash. That's Baby Bash. It, I, I yeah. tell you right now. I'm sure I'm Baby Bash to has Baby the time Bash. to do it. That was a diss, and was I don't it? know why you. I don't know why you did that. That's was a guy it? representing for Texas, and you diss him. Baby Bash. I said I he's got Bash. time to do it. How do you know he's got time? Why did you take it as a diss? It's definitely a lot of people a, have Trudy. time in quarantine. A lot of people Tr- have time in quarantine. Trudy, do they not? Do not Trudy. people have not have more time on their hands? Did Rachel don't just bring diss. Trudy into this? Don't did bring Rachel Trudy into just this. diss Baby Bash? Yes or no? I plead the fifth. Get out. Get out. <laughs> Trudy, get out. <laughs> so far, okay. All right. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. So there's something that I have to talk about, you guys. Um, coming in hot over the weekend, really at the end of last week, uh, it was brought to my attention and thank you, by the way, for everybody bringing it to my attention, literally dozens and dozens of messages. And some of, some of the messages that, that come from friends is like, uh, they don't want to out and out call you anything. So they go, Hey man, I know you're still riding high from everything, but I just wanted to make sure you saw this. from me before anything else no okay so there's a woman her wait, name wait 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 van 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 you hadn't seen this until this weekend i had seen the first i'd heard about this 
was not this weekend. The first time okay. I the first the first time I'd heard about this was maybe a couple of weeks ago. Okay, so okay. very recent. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, I'd say. So I think the first video she made was after she was able to see it on Netflix, was like April 9th. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I-, I can't remember how, but someone brought it up to me, uh, and it was like maybe like a couple of days before my birthday, earlier that week, okay. is the, uh, the, the, the first time I had ever seen it. And I was, I mean, you know, part of me was very unhappy that we didn't have like an all hands on deck to for everyone to come along and, and talk about it. Sure. And then after, you know, we won the Oscar, I think that TikTok is two different TikToks. So after we won the Oscar, she added uh she added some more to it. Um so I don't wanna uh I looked around for a pronunciation of this of of this uh, the lady's name. Her name is Cynthia Koa, I would basically say. Okay. Uh hopefully that, that that's right. Or Cynthia Koa or Cynthia Kyle. She created a short back in 2016 and released to YouTube. It's called Groundhog's Day for a Black Man. Okay. She then, uh, so it's a very set, it's a very similar device to Two Distant Strangers, which is, of course, uh, the the movie I was a producer on. Um, black man trying to survive a police interaction over and over and over again. Hers is about four minutes from when I haven't seen it. Hers is about four minutes. Uh, ours is around 30. Um now, the interesting thing about her claim, uh, obviously, you guys know what I'm talking about. There's a TikTok video out there where she seems to uh, to insinuate that in some way we stole uh, her her concept. Okay. And the reason why she thinks that is because um, in May of last year, she got uh, uh, an email from Now This News and now this news hit her up and said that they wanted to put her short, which was created in 2016, on to their social media platforms, right? And that was, I guess, in May. Uh, and then when she watched our movie that came out in April, she saw that now this was a contributing producer on the film, so April 9th. So in her mind, she's connecting it. She says she's not assuming anything, but I think the assumption is clear. That people at Now This had seen her stuff, liked her stuff, posted her stuff, and then got a bunch of guys together and decided that they were going to make um, a, sort of an expanded version of that premise. And then in some way, they knew about her, uh, her short, and then, you know, we stole it, basically saying that we stole it and mm-hmm. a lot of people ran with that and it's interesting to me that uh <clears throat> not super not interesting but it was it was very interesting that a lot of black people sort of ran with it as well you mm-hmm. saw i saw a lot of get your coin sis and uh, lawyer up and sue them sis and i saw some of that stuff mm-hmm. but actually seeing that made me happy and it's because black people have been done so dirty in america that there's a thing where we don't want to see anybody get done dirty don't matter we don't like to see people get bullied and get done dirty we we want things to be fair and if there are people out there who are thinking that this wasn't fair they were going to make their presence felt about it they were going to make their presence known so here's a here's the situation about it uh number one I don't have any will, any ill will towards Cynthia at all. Not 
zero not one percent. Now there are some other people in, in, involved in our production that probably do, but not me, because I personally think from her looking at that, it's reasonable for her to assume something like that. Sure. When she when she sees the the the, the that this, the premises are similar, and she sees that now this was involved in, in what we had. Here's the situation. It is a complete misunderstanding. We in no way watch, stole, borrowed anything from that short. The timeline for us doing Two Distant Strangers was this. Trayvon had a script in August, you know, that he had wrote, written. We were putting money together on the fly. The first money in on Two Distant Strangers was me and Trayvon. The money to get the production started was... Uh, a couple hundred grand that me and Trayvon put in, right? So we didn't have it financed when we started it. So we went from script to having a finished uh, product on it, I would say, in about five or six weeks, okay? Now this came on as a partner. In, so in October, we had to, the, the first time we had to submit for the Academy Awards was October, Okay. Um, I think it's like October 19th. Now this came in as a partner in November. And we didn't sign paperwork to make them an official partner and put them on the movie until December. Now, after we were done with the film, we still weren't finished paying for it. So there were bunches of people who came on after. Terrence J came on after. We were already done. The movie was already creatively done. Um Puff came on after we were already done. The movie was already creatively done. This is to pay for stuff and to help us with our campaign and still get stuff out there. After we had done the film, I actually believed, to be honest with you, that while we were shooting the movie, that it was a completely unique concept. I had never seen anything like it before. I hadn't seen mm -hmm. her film uh, yeah. or anything. But after we were done, I actually realized that there were a couple of people that had done similar things. There was a Twilight Zone episode starring Damson Idris about uh, a mother or someone, I haven't seen that one either, where it was a police interaction and they keep rewinding the tape to to try to get a different um, outcome. And then there was a, another movie that had come out around the same time in 2016 uh, that had a black male gay protagonist who was trying, who was caught in a loop trying to survive something with the police. And in 2015, um, there had been an article written before any of these things had come out mm -hmm. that talks about this as far as it relates to Groundhog's Day. You know, I think our product, our product was very unique in that we were specifically commentating on George Floyd. Brianna Taylor and the other things that were happening at that time. And right. if you watch the movie, that's how things played out. So by the time now this came in, it was finished. When I say it was finished, I'm not even talking about script finished. I'm talking about complete movie finished, mm -hmm. like totally done, like all the way done. Um, And I, like I said, I saw what was going on around the time like a week before the Oscars that this was kind of a, a thing and somebody was saying this and I wanted to address it address her because more than anything 
personally, I don't want her to think that we would steal anything from her because of course. we we really didn't. Like, we seriously didn't. And that's kind of the, I mean, I'm not going to be like, hey, guys, Van, it's Van, you know me. But we really didn't do that. And so I think a couple of things went into this. Number one is how quickly we shot the movie. We did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not like we had a concept and we kicked it around to a bunch of different people and like whatever, whatever. No, we we caught it. We we had a deadline. So we got money fast. We did all of this stuff fast. Uh, Until Netflix came in, we weren't finished paying for Two Distant Strangers. We still owed money. That's why we were adding producers on. We still owe money. Um, And then from the now this perspective, I don't think that they knew. I don't think the people that we were dealing with at now this had any clue that the social team had gone out and put this up on there. Um, The people that we are connected to, I don't know if they would know every single post that the social team has made or everything. It's just a complete coincidence that it happened. Uh, there are a lot of other things that are people saying about whether or not she should have been telling that story in the first place. That's up to an audience to decide. Like I don't, you, I think that you, you have somebody that made a movie or made a short or made a sketch about something that they thought is, that they think that we all know is going on. Um, and that's up to other people to decide in terms of that. But as far as us, I'm not hurt. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. I'm not any of these things. It's a peculiar situation to be in because it's just simply not the case. Yeah. I, I'm glad you – I'm sorry. Were you done? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for the most part. Yeah. The the timeline of it, I think, is is it's it's key for you to, to express that because I think the, the, the main thing that people were trying to harp on was the now this connection. But mm-hmm. the idea of a groundhog, Groundhog's Day idea experience that a black man is going through that's not something that you can't concrete uh concrete oh you cannot copyright that idea the creative expression is different and i think and i have not watched it from what i'm reading of people comparing her short to what you guys did it's different the ex- how it's expressed is is a totally different idea or a concept yeah. i should say so that's really what it comes down to, I guess, legally, if you're talking about it. Well, I, um, le- le- legally, I couldn't care less about that because I don't I don't care about legally. I care well, about truth. I will just let, let me say I don't care about legally. I care about truthfully. And here's the reason why I say this. Legally, it doesn't matter. Had I had I known that her short was out there, would it have changed what we did on Two Distant Strangers? It might have because you know, I, when I first saw it, and not only did I know, Trayvon didn't know. No one had seen it. And so uh, what we did on Treated to Distant Strangers, we thought was a completely, and maybe we were naive for this, unique way to tell that story. And it, and it and it still is, our story is completely unique in some of the devices that we use. It's nothing like um, what I understand her story to be. I, the, the, the beats of it are, are, are have been laid out to me, and for me, it's been seen that it's it, there's a more comedic tone to it. Um, you know, we have a basically a thirty minute mini feature on all of these things where we're trying to dive deep into these issues and really and really pull them out. So for me, it it wasn't even it's not even so much about whether or not we're exposed legally. It's about the fact that this movie was literally 
at the beginning, three black men, when we added Samir, four black men, telling the story about how we feel to be caught in this loop every single day. Mm-hmm. And we were telling that story for us, but we wanted to get it to the widest group of people possible. So we shot for the stars and we hit our mark. And I am totally unapologetic in the way that things were done. And I am totally unapologetic in the fact that we did what we felt like we need to do creatively. We put our own money into it to put the movie out. But what I will say is, it sucks that somebody else feels the way that they feel. You know, it does. It, yeah. It, it that that sucks, but none of us, nobody that's involved, from Lawrence to Jesse to anyone, anybody was preying upon anybody's idea, stealing it, and then trying to flip it around. And as far as the now this connection, now this had zero creative input on the movie. It had nothing to do with the movie creatively. They had to yeah. do with helping us uh, shape the discussion around the movie uh, after, which they are absolutely amazing at, helping us financially with the film um, and helping us get the film in front of other people who they have relationships with. But yeah. the creative on the movie, they, did, they just didn't have anything to, to, to do with it. So, uh, 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 Me talking about the legality of it is not to talk about to take away from the truth of it i think it's important that you tell that the only reason i bring that up is because people are saying like oh you should do this you should do that and i think it's important to to differentiate between the two but i think that the truth go speaks towards the legality of it i guess is what i'm trying to say i get what I get you're it. speaking on i get what yeah. you're speaking on though um yeah no i i, I get it and um i understand how i get but i just want to more than anything I always want to be like a human being about stuff like this. Sure. I don't ever want to be like, hey, we didn't steal your shit. Fuck you. No, because if I put myself in that position and I ask myself, how would that feel or what would I do? From a human perspective, I get it. I get it. It's just actually and really not the case. Yeah. Like in a real way. And I just I want to have empathy for um, for how she might have felt and how things. But. No one had heard of or seen or done anything like that. Not not no. at all. No, not I think all. it's great for you to say that. And <laughs> and by the way, it might not be like the smartest thing in the world for 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 me to speak on something that could end up being a legal issue. But I don't really care because I care about more than anything what you guys think of me and what you guys think of my team. I really do care. I don't care what you guys think of me in terms of your opinions upon me, but I do care about your trust in me. You can hate me. You can think Van's a big fucking nerd, but he does say what he means, and he is a decent guy. And a decent guy wouldn't do that. A decent mm-hmm. guy wouldn't steal somebody's idea and then take it and blow it up and not give him credit. A decent guy wouldn't do that. Very true. And so, you know, that I, I care. Even if you don't fucking like me, but... I am who I am. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back on the other side of the break, we got W. Kamal Bell, who is one of my favorite guys on television. He hosts a show on CNN called United Shades of America, uh, and it is back. And I don't know if you guys know, 
there's a lot of stuff going on in the country yeah. <laughs> for him to talk about. So we're going to speak with him when we come back on Higher Learning. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right. Uh, we are joined on Higher Learning by legitimately, I don't think he even knows this because I haven't, I haven't talked to him yet about it, but um, one of my favorite people to watch on television. <laughs> oh, we're good. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, somebody that knows how to do something that is, increasingly becoming uh impossible in american culture which is to have uh an uncomfortable conversation with an open heart and a sort of comedic flair that makes everybody feel like they're included and the guy i'm talking to is talking about is w kamal bell and he hosts a cnn series since 2016 he's hosted a show uh, called United Shades of America, um, and he has hosted he hosted an FX show called Totally Biased with W. Kamal Bell. Now, I, I being that you're a, a, a comedian and that you <laughs> hit on subjects that are both political, social, and socio-political, I guess the question for you is: Is it getting increasingly harder? to make light of some of the things that are going on in American society. The job that I just said you so artfully do, as things get more triggering, as they get more tragic, do you find yourself having the same zeal uh, for talking about these things in the very specific way that you do? Or are you getting burnt out on, on, on trying to make people laugh through the pain? Well, first of all, I'd like to pick up the flowers you threw my way. Thank you, Van, for saying what you said. Mm -hmm. I don't want just to ignore that in these increasingly pressured times. I think it, it is important for all of us, and me especially, to go, oh, that's good. <sighs> Somebody cares. So thank you for that. And <laughs> be clear, I'm a big fan of yours, too. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, this last year or so of America, as we know, has been, has been uh, it's, you know, literally, like, it's one for the history books. History will talk about what we have gone through in the last year. And that last year is not over. We're still going through it. So if I didn't have a TV show, I would still be processing it through comedy because that's just what I do. And I think that's what black folks do is we look for ways to laugh. 
But yeah, I mean, absolutely. It is a bummer to feel like I'm still talking about some of the same things that we've been talking about on the show. I said last season at the end of the show that by the end of every episode, I kind of hope now that we've covered that, we won't have to deal with that ever again. But uh, <laughs> we end up dealing with it next week on the show. I'm, I'm curious with that because with with 2020 and all that that brought about and the awareness that people gained you know for the first time ever it seemed like in any way did you find did you find it different to film this season because of what had happened this year uh i'm i'm curious about that as we as we're just now starting this new season yeah it was very different i mean on a very basic level there was no other season before where i had to get covid tested every morning before we went on set there was no other seasons before where we had to like, uh, you know, where we were wearing, we were masked up, you know, and you'll, if you watch the episodes, there's times where I'm wearing a mask, but for the most part, we're not because everybody got COVID tested and we shot everything outside. We've never shot a season before that was all outside. And as a black man of a, of a certain age with all the comorbidities uh, that they deal us, you know, I was also out there going like, is this show worth dying for? <laughs> like, you know, I've done things with the KKK, they would have killed me, but is it worth dying for? like getting COVID to make this show, you know? So I think it was, there was a lot going on on my mind and on the minds of the crew as we we're making the show, just because things were more dangerous than they'd ever been before. And you mm -hmm. sort of go, is this, is it, is it this important? And that, you know, I'm still answering that, answering that question. So one of the, the names of your podcast, you know what I'm about, about to ask you about. I hope, I hope I do. <laughs> the, the, the name of the podcast is, Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time, period. That's the name of the podcast. <laughs> so I'm a big believer in just put like, you know, putting it the name should express there. exactly what it is. Like you know, <laughs> no So having not been initiated to that particular podcast, what the hell is that about? <laughs> well, I mean, so we we haven't been doing it in a few years. Uh, cause we, you know, we, me and my partner, Kevin Avery have been doing other things. He's a co comedian and a writer. Uh, but when we started it, it was about the fact that me and him were both big Denzel fans. And we felt like he was always left out of the conversation around who's the greatest <laughs> actor. And we were getting frustrated about that. We're like, cause every time they talked about who the greatest actor was, it'd be De Niro, Pacino, you know, DiCaprio, all those, all those guys whose names in an O, but it was never Denzel Washington. And we were like, we are going to plant a flag saying that he's the best. And what happened is that. We end up getting all these like black folks to come out and talk about how much love there was for Denzel that we all had, but we didn't have any way. There was no reason to express it. And so, you know, it, you know, we got, I mean, we were just talking about the other day. We just, we got Ryan Coogler on the day that it leaked. He was directing the black Panther. Like he left going, uh Oh, the story just broke. We had Ava DuVernay on before, you know, uh, after Selma, but before all the other things that happened. So it was like, we had Spike Lee on and Spike Lee just went through stories of making Malcolm X and how Denzel just like tapped into the zone. And it was this thing that we like, and Denzel's not really big for that stuff. I don't know if you know him, but he's not big for being celebrated. So it was great to be able to do that for us, even if he didn't, even if he had no interest in being on the podcast, which we found out very, uh, very early on. Do you know well, why? I was going to ask, did he, did he want to be on the podcast? Got it. And, I, and we're not mad at him. We, we, we respect him to do what he wants yeah. to do. Do you know why I ask that? It, the, I ask about that podcast is because there's, I mean, we all know about the the big R racism and we know about the, the very active racism. Then there is like just the passive racism or passive, uh, I guess, social erasure, right? If, if that Denzel's 
it's I'm, I'm going deep into your podcast here. Now, Great. But I, but I think, I've but, done it a while. I'm glad for it. But what I'm saying is that that's kind of, to me, the way I look at you. So that's a very big issue, actually, that's done in the comedic way. The, the issue is that people, artists like Denzel Washington, who have all of the accolades as these other guys and have been in all the classics and have done all, have the trophies, have the, they don't get included in those conversations. And at the end of the day, that on a small level is what we're all talking about, right? We're all talking about, well, you sit back and you go, the, the big question is, well, what's the difference then? Mm-hmm. Well, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Like, what, like, like, what's the difference? And having that conversation, every time you do a podcast like that, you actually have that conversation without actually having that conversation. And it matters to people. So that's why I asked about it, man. I, thought, I think stuff like that is good. And you're very, very uh, good at sort of filtering through those things. Um, yeah, and it's a way to it's a way to sort of have that conversation, like you said, without going. We're here to dismantle racism in Hollywood, you know. And it became right. a way to, to. We had a bunch of black actors on and black actresses on who, like Issa Rae, was on before, like before Insecure or early days of Insecure. So it's all these people who, like, you look up and go, "These are the next wave," and we got to have a lot of those people on as they were becoming the next wave. Mm-hmm. Rachel. Oh, sorry. I thought you had yeah. another question. I want to go back. I could just still talk about Shades Denzel, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to United Shades of America. Um, we just the the first episode just premiered this week. Can you tell us a little bit about what to expect this season? And also, I I uh, heard that this season, or not this season, but this episode was really really hard for you to film. Can you talk a little bit about why that is? Well, so the first episode, which just premiered, was about you know we knew when we were putting together the season last summer, like we had to do something on policing because it was after George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and um, we knew we had to do something about policing. We'd done an episode years ago about policing, but from the perspective of the police and community policing in Camden, New Jersey, and so we knew we needed to do something and hit a sequel, but it had to be different than the other one. And we were trying to figure out where would we shoot it? And, you know, luckily or unluckily, however that goes, I live in Oakland, California, which is over the history of this country has had some interesting run-ins with the police going back to the, you know, famously to the Black Panthers, but then also, uh, you know, not not as famously, but also impactful with Oscar Grant being killed by a BART police officer. And, you know, Oakland was right out there in the streets with everybody, with every other city last summer with uh, after George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. So, and I also know a bunch of Bay Area, badass Bay Area activists, organizers, academics who I could like put in the show, which was exciting for me. But then the challenge becomes I've lived in the Bay Area since, you know, over 20 years now, but it's not my I can't claim it the way a lot of people can claim it, the way that people who are from here can claim it. But so it's like I want to make sure I do right by the Bay Area and by Oakland specifically. But also, you know, <laughs> I'm officially a transplant, which I don't I hope people don't look at me as a transplant out here. But so I don't want to act like I like I know that I'm talking down to Oakland or that I'm that mm-hmm. I'm getting Oakland wrong because, you know, Oakland's on the map now. When I moved out here, Oakland wasn't a national city in the same way it is now. Yeah. So I guess. Hitting on topics like that, who would you say your show is for? <laughs> well, that, I know my show is on CNN, so I know there is a group <laughs> of white people over the age of 50, probably over the age of 60, who are just going to be there. <laughs> just because they have the TV on, they leave the TV on, they're just there. So I know that they're in the audience, and it's important to know that. 
so that and then I also but I also want to bring in the audience people who support me, which is a black audience, but it's also a very, you know, lots of different races, you know, all along the gender spectrum. It's a lot lots of people that I have like that when I go do shows, I see those people. So I want to like make sure that they don't show up and be like, oh, Kamau sold out. <laughs> Kamau's not, <laughs> not keeping it real or he's saying stuff for these people, but it's too, but I don't find it entertaining. So I really am always thinking about in every episode, there's the viewer who doesn't know anything about what I'm talking about. And there's the viewer who knows what I'm talking about, but I want to make sure they stay entertained and also feel like I'm keeping it real for these people who don't know what I'm talking about. So, you know, it's a, it's a dance. So I, it's, I definitely want people who are fans of mine outside of the show to watch, to like the show, but I also have a ton of fans who aren't going to watch CNN under any circumstances. So I know that like, <laughs> uh, that I want them to come along people who just know me from like the Denzel podcast. You were like, I'm not watching CNN, but I want that. But if they're at their parents' house and their parents have it on, I want them to be like, Oh yeah, that's still him. That's still the guy. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. In doing your show and traveling around the country, coupled with everything that, well, we, that we've been going through, but just, I guess, what's come through to the forefront over this last year. Do you have hope for the future? And do you see things getting better? You know, I think we're at a very delicate point right now. I think we have to realize that, like, this thing that we all grew up, even those of us who knew it wasn't true for our experience, that America's the greatest country in the world, even those of us who didn't feel like it was treating us the way you'd want the greatest country to treat you, that we sort of accepted that here is where we can at least make the best of our lives out of any country in the in the world. I think that's over. I think Trump really put a nail in that coffin. I think that a lot of people, a lot of the reasons we were the greatest country is because people in other countries were going, I got to go there. Well, now, thanks to COVID and Trumpism, they either can't come here because of COVID or they don't want to come here because they're like, they, I don't know how that's going to work out after Trump's out. And so those people are going to invent those amazing things they would have invented here or start those amazing businesses somewhere else. And then I think it, the United States becomes like, you know, it's like I can walk you to the building in New York where Studio 54 used to be, <laughs> but it ain't the spot no more. And so I think the United States could end up being that spot like <laughs> it used to be over there. You know, I think about like so like Rome used to be the spot. Rome used to rule the world. It does not rule yeah. the world. So I think we are in that moment where we could end up going down like that. And I don't think it's really, you know, if I was betting, I would bet against us. I would bet against it going better from here on out, just because there's a lot of stuff we have to address. But while I'm here, I will do the work to to get us on the right side of history and hopefully uh, raise my daughters to be people who then will also do that work. But yeah, that's so I but it could go either way right now. It's interesting that you bring up Rome because essentially what happened in Rome, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, is they forgot what Rome was. Mm. You know, even if you watch that movie Gladiator, that's about them following a general that's never been to Rome. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? And all the little, <laughs> you know, what I mean? all the little different generals who had their own allegiances for people who are, they didn't know what they their identity was anymore. Yeah. And so, which leads me to my next question. Right now, if you had to sum up because you've been everywhere and you've talked to so many different people, what the identity of America is, uh, not from the idealistic perspective, but what it is actually right now. Like, what would you say our identity is? Uh, it's a country that is, that is perfected leaving people behind. Ah, uh, 
Jesus. <laughs> I, Keep going. Man. I didn't, Rocky, didn't that hit you hard? I was like, oof. God damn. Talk your shit, man. Wow. And, I, and I, be clear, I've never said that before. This is just, you're asking me the question, so I'm trying to figure out what is America is never a question anybody's really asked me before, so thank you for the question. But it is a country that over the course of our lifetimes, but even our parents' lifetimes, has really double and triple down on the fact that the people with the most should have more and the people with the least should have less. And then if you put race in that, then it just, those fa- then it quadruples and quintuples down. I don't even know what, sixtuples, I don't know what that is. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? I'm always smart to a point. But the idea <laughs> being that like, that like, you know, we're doing an episode this year about wealth inequality and about, you know, about wealth disparity. And uh, we talk about in the episode, we talk about how people, you know, always call millennials the laziest, blah, 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 blah. And as someone who's not a millennial, I'm in Generation X. I'm like, first of all, I remember when they called us that. And second of all, the millennial generation is the first generation that is pretty much guaranteed to do worse than their parents. And in large part, because they've been hit by the, the financial crisis of 2008, 2009 and COVID. And this country, but at the top of this, <laughs> at, the, at the top of the country, you know, billionaires were the one group of people who made money during the pandemic off of the broke people. Right. Right. And so like, if you're going to live in a country where you just, where that's okay. And where that continues to be okay. I mean, you're talking about the end state at that point. It's just not going to, it's just not going to last forever. Okay. I might be repeating myself with this question, but what you said is just like gut wrenching and, but it's because it's true. And so raising daughters, as you just said, what do you say to them? You know what I mean? Like to, to what what is it that you can to, to make them feel like that 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 there will be hope, that there will be another day? Like, I, and maybe I'm asking you to tell me. To, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm just trying to be one of your daughters at this point. I'm so serious. Yeah. Like, how do you see, uh, like, stay hopeful or or see light at the end of the tunnel that things can be better for the next generation for them? And I mean, maybe, so first, and maybe to tie yeah. into that, what is what is the role that you feel like you have right now uh, to make that better for them? Well, I mean, I think they're very aware of what their dad does for a living. Uh, they're not impressed. So when people meet me in the street <laughs> and say to them, you know what your dad does? They're like, yeah. <laughs> so they know that they know the work that I'm engaged in. They, but they also know at the, if they if you ask if you ask them what their dad does, they would say a comedian. And what does a comedian do? They generate laughter. So they don't see that as being some sort of like. They don't necessarily understand how hard the work is I'm doing or how like deep it is. They go, my dad's a comedian and I also find my dad funny. So that makes sense. So my kids are not walking around uh, feeling hopeless. Now they are clear about COVID and the dangers of COVID and the fact that they love Disneyland, but they ain't going back (laughs) right now, even though Disneyland is opening up. They know who George Floyd is. Uh, They know what Black Lives Matter is. They've been to protests. So to me, it's like, it's no different than teaching your, as a black parent, it would be negligence to not teach my kids about the state of the world and racism. You know, I think it'd be like not in the same way that parents don't go, I don't teach my kid about fire. That's, they can't handle knowing that fire's hot. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And to me, it's, (laughs) it's the same thing. Oh my God. How brilliantly, brilliantly, but simply put, just think about that. <laughs> think, think about that. Think about you know my mother because it, it. My mother used to always say my mother would be in there cooking. My mom, my mom would say, and this is like southern southern upbringing. My mom would be like, "Hey, I know you see a chicken is in the stove, but don't go touch the stove because the stove is hot." <laughs> 
think about it if she just never yeah. told me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I go on there, burn my flesh on the stove, and then come back. And she goes, aha, you shouldn't have done that. Well, it's just weird. And people treat racism that way. They treat racism as if if you don't talk about it, then nobody will go touch the stove. No, if you don't talk about it, fucking everybody's going to touch the stove. Well, <laughs> and, 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 and <laughs> I think the way that white, a lot of white parents do it is their kid goes and touches the stove, touches the stove, and they come back and go, what happened? And the white parent goes, I don't know. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just, it'd be better if we just don't talk about it and your kid touches the stove again like man I keep touching the stove and it keeps burning but my mom doesn't know why it's happening my mom's afraid to talk about it right and then they blame you for making a stove, stove hot yeah, we, exactly, could go all, yeah. we could go all the way down with that snow, stove analogy but we yeah. don't stop Absolutely. I want to let you know something uh, I am 6'4 I'm African American I'm heterosexual I'm cisgendered I'm left leaning I'm black I'm a pr- proud blurred and I'm a mama's boy. So man, bro, wow. we are we like I don't have I don't have asthma, but I have several ailments. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, and I'm not a dad that I know of yet. But yes. you have to do some research yeah, yeah, yeah. in Louisiana. Well <laughs> but um but bro, like so your book <laughs> that you put out is The Awkward Thoughts of uh W. Kamal Bell, Tales of a Six Foot Four, African American, heterosexual, six gendered left-leaning, asthmatic, black, and pl- proud blur, mama's boy, dad, and stand-up com- and stand-up comedian. You're fucking, I got a book coming out next year. I don't have shit to write about. Like, you, <laughs> like wh- what is this, what is this book about? And what did you mean uh, by titling it such a very direct description of almost all aspects of your personality? Well, first of all, if they can keep making like you know uh, superhero movies, I think we can get two black blurred books. <laughs> right, I think so. <laughs> I think we'll be all right. I think we can be all right. Uh, I mean, for me, it was just about like I had spent like maybe the first half of my life being told that I didn't fit in and and feeling like that was a problem, and then I spent the second half of my life sort of being like, yeah, I don't fit in, <laughs> and here's all the ways I don't fit in, and here, and also really being clear about. There's another part of this being clear that a lot for a lot of people in America, all they see is a black male. All they and then all they see is because I'm six four, a big black male. That's all they see. And so this book was an effort to first of all claim the things that I think people told me I that was weird about me, and also claim the things that you don't see when you look at me, because that's because as so much as you know as being a black man in America, that's all a lot of the America sees. Yeah, and mm. the size thing, look. It, the size thing is such a deal. I don't want to, because everyone thinks, oh, it's so great to be tall and you get to walk in a room and be commanding and stuff like that. It's great to be tall if your tallness has a use. <laughs> like, if you're usefully tall, if then that's dope. If you're the like, point guard you, for the New Jersey Nets, then it's great to be. If you're the be- point guard <laughs> or if you're like a D lineman or something yeah. like that. But if you walk into every room, it just... It, for my entire life, just mm-hmm. being in a white world and taking up that much space mm-hmm. in their world was mm-hmm. always a very delicate dance that you had to do. Like, people always want to connect with you. Like, hey, where'd you play ball? Hey, oh, where'd yeah. you shut the fuck yeah. up? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you didn't uh, play basketball? <laughs> You're a waste of height. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I um, think that for me it was that the – yeah, like I like being tall. I wouldn't trade it, especially when you figure out all the other things that I have that I feel like people don't think is great at all. So I'll take being tall. But I don't know. I don't know how you are in the world. 
but because of how I carry myself, I don't carry myself like I'm 6'4". And so people who I'm friends with will see me, will not see me for a few months and see me again and be like, I forgot how tall you are. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm kind of doing that on purpose. Like I'm not oh, yeah. standing over you. I'm not standing over everybody everywhere I go because I know that that's not going to work out. That may not work out well for me. Doesn't mean I don't stand up for my, stand up when I need to, but I'm not standing over everybody like that all the time. Mm. Mm. Uh, I'm just oh, listening ahead, to it from a female. No, I'm just. I'm no. Go ahead. I'm just laughing because from a female perspective, that's the one. Like we women like height, so like you're winning. You're winning in that regard. I'm just saying, when you walk into a room, women are like, who's that? Well, no, I, I wouldn't like, take it. I wouldn't take it over. I, I don't know how you feel, Van, but I'm not trading with short folks. You can keep that. Like, I'm not. No, <laughs> I, I, de I, I definitely like it, but there is something to be said to when, I you know, it. It, yeah, it's just, it, it's it's a thing. It's, it's here's a thing. the big black guy. Here's the, yeah. and, and what what has happened over the course of my life, what used to happen was uh, I used to have a, what I call a teddy bear switch. Like mm. right away, a, a teddy bear, like it's like a teddy bear switch. You walk in, hey guys, just to let you know, you don't have to be afraid. Yeah, that it's yeah, me, yeah, Teddy. Yeah, yeah. It's me, Teddy Ruxpin. The yep. gentle you know? giant. Gentle yeah. giant. I got. I used to get that all the time, like or get it all right. the time. But, and you know, for me, I think one of the reasons I, my dad's six six, so he's even taller than I am. And six six starts to get into that, like you better have played in the NBA height. Like people get mad. We're the we're <laughs> six four. Six four is the last. Yeah, height. The last I, I maintain stop. this. That's the last stop. To where it could be normal. This is true. Yeah, yeah. Like if you six five or six six, people start looking at you like, "Did you fucking hurt your ankle or something?" Like, <laughs> you better um, have a story about your AC about your you, ACL blowing out, or a coach that didn't like you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to ask you, why did you decide to to publicly talk? About I think I know this one too. It's about having a, a snip, 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 snip. having a having a snip snip vasectomy. Like what? what? Like you made that public? That would be that was a big deal that you wanted to publicly talk about having a vasectomy. Why was that? I mean, you know, always got to you always got to make content, right? <laughs> <laughs> you always need more content. I mean, I think that first of all, I didn't. I want to be clear about this. When I, when my wife first started talking to me about a vasectomy, I wasn't like, "Oh yeah, let's do it and let's film it and let's get it." I was I was like, "Nah, you must be playing." And then she was over the course of several years and three daughters later, I was like, "Oh yeah, we're not playing here." And so I, I honestly, I am always looking for a way to figure out how to have new conversations and how to also put myself in the middle of those conversations. And it and it just seemed like we had just done an episode of United Shades of America about. Uh, reproductive justice in Mississippi talking about like the women's health clinics down there and the where the women get abortions and it was just like it would the, the contrast between how easy it was to get a vasectomy and how all this all the strife and struggle that women are going through to get abortions especially in places like wow. like Mississippi I, you know it was just so jarring that I felt like it like if I'm really about this life I don't know if you ever like if I'm really about like these conversations and about this then I should actually put myself in the middle of it and not just sort of act like, and not act like I'm not a part of this somehow. And so, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, I kind of wish it had been more graphic. They didn't want to film it as much as I wanted to, but yeah. Did <laughs> your wife do the vasectomy? What'd you say? Did your wife do the vasectomy? No, it's not quite that level of like. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> well, um, she's a, she's a surgeon. Right? No, she's a she's a PhD, not an MD. She's like a Jill Biden. Oh, she's oh, a Jill Biden. <laughs> <laughs> not, a, not a Dr. Kizzy. She's a Jill Biden. 
right. Um, let me ask your opinion on this, because this might be something we talk about later in this podcast. But an article came out in the New York Times that the experts are saying that we in the United States most likely will not reach herd immunity. I'm interested on your thoughts on the vaccine and the hesitation to take it, especially from the black and brown communities. Uh, so, uh, first of all, I'm not surprised we're not going to hit herd immunity because I've I've watched the news over the past year. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not surprised. It doesn't surprise me at all. Every time they talked about it, I was like, how's that going to happen if there's all these people who who don't believe it exists? So, uh, first of all, I'm I'm vaccinated. Are you too? Are you too vaccinated? I get yes. my second shot Saturday. All right. All right. Cool. Just, I just need to know where, where, where I need to start this conversation. At. <laughs> right. So, you know, so, you know, first of all, early on, I'm not a, I, I believe in science. So, and I, and I also believe that you have to do your homework and you have to find some trusted sources. So just because I believe in science doesn't believe, I believe everything a scientist says, but I do believe in the preponderance of evidence and trusted sources and people who have been clear voices. So, I find Dr. Fauci to be someone with all the work he did with AIDS, AIDS research back in the day to be a trusted source. I also understand that science goes, we have discovered new information that changes the old information. So I'm not bothered by any parts of the early mass debate and the later mass debate. This is science figuring it out on the fly. So I think, first of all, what I've learned from talking to black medical professionals, first of all, there's not that many of them. I think it's like 4% of like doctors are, are black. So that's, we should be aware of that. So there's not enough of black doctors to go around. Second of all, the thing that we're calling hesitancy is actually exists across all cultures and specifically through white people, but white people don't get focused on as much as black folks do when it comes to not believing That's in right. science. That's right. So when you look at the numbers and when they add the numbers up, white people are either just as hesitant as black folks around the vaccine or more hesitant. Now, the thing that black people combine that with is lack of access to health care. And so then people go, well, I, I might want to get it, but it's nowhere around me. There's nowhere, there's nowhere I can go to get, or there's nowhere I can get it quickly, or, or nobody's, nobody's helping me access the internet because I may not have access to the internet. So I think a lot of what is called black hesitancy is really just the system putting obstacles in place for black people to get tripped up over. And at the end of, at the end of it all, I think black people who are on the black people are getting hit by COVID harder than the white community. So we need to be first in line to be vaccinated. And America, the least it could do is make it easy for black folks to get access to vaccines. But that seems sometimes like the most it can do. Yeah, the, the reason why the 4% number that you just pointed out is is so important is because if there is a, a deficit in areas like that, then we're overrepresented in other areas, which are fucking kooks. <laughs> and and yeah. by, by the way, I'm not pushing anything on anyone, but it some of y'all lying. Yeah. About some of this shit that y'all saying. Mm -hmm. And because we don't have any trust in medical and medical professionals because there's not enough of us there and plus the history in America, it is very easy for someone to fill that gap by saying, "Hey, it's these towers that's causing this this disease mm -hmm. or, you know, you, if you get the disease just pound your body with turmeric and you'll be fine which might work i don't know you know but <laughs> but but what i'm saying is that at, at a certain point to your point we're going to need to to up our representation in terms of the medical field and just medical thought because there's just in science certain things that are true and then certain things that aren't true yeah or and and you know those things change but at the same time 
we know when we know, right? Yeah. When I when I was a kid, Pluto was a planet. It's yes. fucking not now. <laughs> That's so. It, it, like, you, you know. So. That's a hey, great. Man. Yeah, the Pluto thing is a great example of science being like, you know, that thing we thought about Pluto. It's different now. Yeah. It's just because we keep doing the research. Yeah. But it don't change the fact that Pluto is there. Mm-hmm. You can <laughs> you can choose to not believe. <laughs> that Pluto is there, mm-hmm. but goddamn it, we seen that motherfucker. Yep, Pluto is there. <laughs> um, my brother, yes. uh, very very happy to have talked with you. Been watching yes. you for a very long time. Obviously, Dang I it. remember when you did the the whole joint where you talked to the Klansmen and stuff like that. Hilarious. <laughs> um, so uh, tell people when they can catch the show and kind of what's in store for them in the new season. Well, yeah, so the show is every Sunday night at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific on CNN. Uh, we, you know, this season we did one about policing in Oakland, which you just did. You can see on demand or on or wherever you get your TV, wherever you get it. I'm not, I'm not watching you. Uh, it's all, yeah, so you can see what it's about. And that one's about, a large part about defund the police and what it means. We have an episode this weekend coming up about, about black folks in STEM and Afrofuturism, how there's not enough black folks wow. in, STEM, in STEM fields. Uh, we have an episode coming up about, we have an episode coming out about uh, the black trans community in Dallas, Texas. Uh, we have an that's episode. My that's I heard. Yes, I heard. That's why. That's why I thought to mention it. Uh, <laughs> and we have an episode talking about uh, wealth inequality, as I said earlier, in South Carolina, and how uh, maybe we, maybe as a country, we shouldn't have billionaires because they're soaking up all that money. Mm. Mm. Wow! Can't wait. Out here shaking the tree. <laughs> Shaking the tree, man. Uh, I appreciate the time. Thank you for joining us today on Higher Rising. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Okay, big news. Big news in tech. Big news in tech life. Um, After 27 years of marriage, Rachel, Bill and Melinda Gates are getting a divorce. Wow. It's crazy. Uh, (laughs) After a great deal of thought and work on our relationship, we have made the decision to end our marriage. Over the last 27 years, we have raised three incredible children and built a foundation that works all over the world to enable all people to lead healthy, productive lives. We continue to share a belief in that mission and will continue our work together at the foundation, but we no longer can grow together as a couple in the next phase of our lives. We ask for space and privacy as our fam- for our family as we begin to navigate this new life. Whoa! Whoa! Bill and Melinda Gates divorced. What the hell? What are your What are your is thoughts? Is that how you really feel about it? Yeah, I kind of <laughs> feel sad about this one. I mean, I, of course, it's sad. I mean, a, a, any relationship, you know, a marriage ending, you know, it's it's, it's sad. It's Twenty seven years is a long time. Three kids. A lot of people are going to be affected by it. I um, you know, what my first thought was what? I thought, wow, they have so much money. Uh-huh. that a prenup wouldn't even matter. Yeah, Do you understand? Exactly. Like the lack of, right? I'm assuming yeah. they don't have a prenup. But there's so much money splitting it in half. They're still insanely rich. Why so are you assuming they don't have a prenup? 
I because when did Microsoft start? Like nineteen ninety something, nineteen one. Okay, no, so maybe, longer maybe than maybe even maybe even eighty nine. Why did you just pull the random year eighty nine out? Because <laughs> I, I saw a movie. I, I feel called... like ninety four. I feel like ninety four. Can we look this no, up? It's before then. It's before then. It was definitely around in the eighties. Hold on, let's look this up real quick. Let's see who's right. Uh, I'm gonna say nineteen eighty nine. I'm gonna say nineteen eighty nine, and you're gonna say what year? Ninety four. You're gonna say ninety four. Oh, good goodness! Windows and Office started in nineteen eighty five. Actually, it was founded. Actually, it was founded in nineteen seventy five. Yeah. Oh, I have seventy two. Okay. Seven. Yeah, yeah seventy five. April fourth. So we're both wrong. Wow. Right. But I was more right. right than you were. You were more right than me. Fine. Because I saw that movie. Again. I saw that. I saw that movie, Pirates of the Silicon Valley, and they were rocking it all throughout the eighties. And they really don't come at me. See, look, don't come at me. Come at Bill Gates. Bill Gates actually stole uh, the the no, point click interface from Zero. From Zero. Say no, like uh, we didn't do nothing. Bill Gates <laughs> actually stole that shit from Xerox. That's actually true. Bill Gates stole stuff. Stew? Ray Kroc stole stuff. No, they didn't. So, like, don't come at me. We didn't do nothing. Go at Bill Gates. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, okay, so anyway. maybe they do have a prenup. Um, I, I don't know why I thought Microsoft started in like nine, mid 90s. All right. Cause you think, cause, you're, because you're a narcissist and you think that things only start when wow. you become aware of them. Wow. That's, that's a how you big are. leap. That's how, <laughs> that's how I am. Okay, I anyways. So, mate, so then take that thought out. That's That was just my first thought. Oh, they probably don't have a prenup. They helped, I, I thought she was like old girl uh, with um, Jeff Bezos, and I thought they started the company together at the same time. That's clearly not the case. But, yeah, they're, they're separating. That's sad. I mean, do we really know that much about – we know, we know a lot about Bill – Obviously. They're very charitable. We know Melinda exactly. We know they're a tra- charitable couple together, but do we know anything about them personally? Not really. No. Not really. What we do, what, what we know though, is that Microsoft has revenue last year of one hundred and forty-three billion dollars. Okay, one mm-hmm. Mr. Bill Gates. All right, who's still still a young man comparatively. He's sixty-five years old. He's the same age as my dad. Which, damn, Dad, you fucked up. You could have had shit. <laughs> like, I can't like, he's only sixty-five. Wow. He's only sixty-five years old. Okay, so um, that, I say that to say that that dick still works, man. Wow. It still works, Billy yeah. Bill. Um, right now, Bill Gates is worth. I don't think he's the richest man in the world currently. That is Jeff Bezos. But right now, his his it's poor guy. His net worth is down right now. As of May first, twenty twenty-one, this poor bastard is only worth. Uh, one hundred and forty-five billion dollars. Damn. Right. Um, and his his he he married to Melinda Gates in nineteen ninety four. She's fifty six. That's when they got married. Um, and so that's over twenty years after Microsoft was started, and they Windows was already gone. Billions. When by the time was he a billionaire time, in the nineties, probably not. Probably not in the nine. Well, I don't know. Like he, they were married in 1994. He had to be, you know, Windows 95 is really what took it across the, the from That's nine. Okay, true. so so check it out. From nine from from since 1987, he has been included in the Forbes list of world's wealthiest people since 1987. From 95 to 2017, he held the Forbes title. From 95 to 2017. 
he held the title of the four of the richest person in the world every year except for 2010 and 2013. Mm. 2010 and 13. In October 2017, he was surpassed by Jeff Bezos, who hasn't given it back. So he was mad rich when they got together. So I'm imagining that there's some prenup of sure, some. There's some prenup. So and then I'm let, sure let me she's ask you fine. this. Let me ask you this. He's worth $145 billion. By the time they met, he was basically one of the world's richest people. So she married him when he was always already one of the world's richest people. I'm going to ask you, Rachel Lindsay, out of the $145 billion, right? Because he was around 90-something. Uh, no, in the, he was in the 50s or something in the 90s. He got up to, you know, around 150 billion. How much money do you think Melinda Gates deserves? At least $3 billion. At least $3 billion, you feel At like least. she's. Now, when she married him, uh-huh, when she uh-huh. married him, he was mm-hmm. already uh-huh, one of the world's uh-huh, richest uh-huh. people. And the next year, he would go on to be mm-hmm. the, the, the richest man in the world. Mm-hmm. But you At think she deserves. Billion. Why? A billion per kid. At least $3 billion. What the why? hell? <laughs> what? Like, why Listen, was she. Why, she just, was I'm telling you, why the, $3 billion? She was holding down the gates home. While he went out and he did all these things, she was holding it down at home. Raise, I'm sure I'm not. She might have worked. I don't want to just just say she was staying at home, but she raised those children. So that's got to count for something. At least three billion. A billion is like a penny to him. So <laughs> that's I, I, and so, at least I, even if the kids are out the house and grown, which I'm sure they are, at least three billion. For all okay, her well, hard labor holding down the gates home. Okay, so it, she's ranked as one of the world's most powerful women. She uh, graduated as a valedictorian from Ursuline Academy of Dallas. That's where she's from. She went to, oh, so she came from money. She went to Ursuline? It's Ursuline. Ursuline. She's, <laughs> she came from money. Ursuline, Ursuline is a big so deal? All, it's a private school, all girls. It's Yes, it's a lot of money. Okay, so she went to Ursuline Academy. Uh, she earned a bachelor's degree in computer science and economics from Duke in 1986. Oh, she MBA. helped him build the. She took. She took it. The reason it 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 went. Oh, I'm adding. I'm adding billions to it. I'm adding. Right, right. Okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. At, Gates' first job was tutoring children in mathematics and computer programming. After graduation, she became a marketing manager with Microsoft being responsible for the development of various multimedia products. These included Cinemania, Encarta, Publisher, Microsoft Bob, Money, Works, and Word. She worked with on Expedia, which became one of the most powerful travel fucking sites ever in life. She was appointed the General Manager of Information Products, a position which she held until 1996. She left Microsoft that year, reportedly, to focus on starting a family. So okay. she put her career One, on hold. Two for his family. To, Does she give him the first kids he's ever had? A family. Are those his yes. only children? They got married here on this island where we are right now, Lanai in Hawaii. Aww. Uh no, what the hell are you talking about? Like to me, I think So I she think put her that, career on her she was she was successful in her own. She 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 gave it all up to have his children. So five. Yeah, I I'll take twenty five. Start start when she's when she quit. Twin nineteen ninety six? So 25, 25 But here's the thing, though. But here's the thing, though. And I'm asking this question seriously. She was getting all of this at his company. 
and she started dating him in 1987. So how do we know that the things that she was getting, that she wasn't just I'm getting them? I'm not going to let you do that to Melinda. Because what? Don't I'm saying. Don't was, make it seem like she was dating the CEO. She, she dated her way up to I didn't positions. say that. What I'm saying is you can't use that as an argument and everything that, she, that she's got. I'll tell you. I'll tell you how much money she deserves. I'll tell you how much money she deserves. She deserves $100 million. Y'all, y'all cancel Van immediately. She de- immediately. like she deserves a hundred million dollars immediately. Why? Uh, like, what is the justice? All, not even a billion, and the man no, is worth a hundred even a billion. No, wow. she deserves a hundred million dollars. I'll tell you why. A hundred million dollars is so much money that she doesn't have to. She is richer than Nelly. You know what I mean? She richer like a hundred million dollars could have been. Why Nelly? If she, why did you huh? say Nelly? Uh, why did I bring up Nelly? But I like, don't know but why she, you did. but she's richer than Rick Ross. She's richer than a why lot are we of people. Comparing her to these people, I'm saying this these is the woman in tech. People, no, oh, stop. whoa, stop! This is a woman who has a tech. Mo- okay, stop. This wow. Is a woman- no, the reason I'm saying that is because you're comparing her to rappers, and the, like that doesn't like compare it to other people in the tech world. This Rachel is a woman who comes Owens. from tech. Wow. Right. Rachel that is, that Owens. That might be the most, the worst thing you've ever said to me, ever. No, but Listen. seriously, a, a hundred million dollars, a hundred no. million bucks. No, this woman. Who knows what this woman? This woman stopped her career so this man could continue doing his. She gave him everything he wanted. He already had the money. He already had the career, the company. He was lacking the marriage. He was lacking the children, <laughs> oh the home environment. God. And Melinda gave it to him. She at least deserves $3 billion, but I'm going to say twenty-five. The I say $100 million. By the way, you, we should put this... I need this to be a survey. How much money does Melinda deserve? How much money does Melinda Gates deserve? She met him when Ladies. he was already riches, man. A hundred million dollars. Ladies. That's a lot of money. A hundred million dollars. Three billion. A hundred million dollars. hundred million. hundred million dollars. And her, she can still see her kids to Ursuline Academy or whatever it is. A hundred million bucks. <laughs> All right. Experts are saying we are not going to reach herd immunity. We talked a little bit about this with, with, um, with, with Kamal. Kamal. Um, so it, we're not going to reach herd immunity here. And it, the hesitancy, hesitancy to the vaccine is one big deal. The, the virus is going to be here to stay. Um, we might be able to restore some norm, normalcy, but as far as kicking the virus's ass and getting to herd immunity, uh, experts are saying it's not going to happen. Rachel, what are your thoughts? I don't know. It's a little disappointing. As somebody who's gotten their first shot, getting the second shot this weekend, I think when you see an article come out that says we're not going to reach herd immunity, I think it's going for even the people who are on the fence. It's like, well, then why am I even going to get the shot? Right. If we're not going to reach this, if we're all not doing our part and trying to reach it so we can be better for one another. So we like just get back to society, back to what it was before. Why? Mm. Why even get the shot? That was my immediate thought. And if I'm thinking that a person who's been a proponent of the vaccine and getting vaccinated, then what about these other people who are on the fence? I, it's so discouraging to hear that. It's so discouraging. I was talking with somebody this weekend who shall not be named, who's had COVID. And cause I want to call her out. I want to put her out there, but oh. um, not like, Yodi? no, Yodi? I just don't No, 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 Stop. <laughs> no. Yodi got COVID? no, but somebody who had COVID in the past, um, and it's not, I was like, oh, are you getting the vaccine? And they were like, no. Is it Hannah B? 
And I said, no. They said, no. And I said, why not? And they were like, because it just came too fast. That was the only <laughs> justification. It just came. It just, I don't understand how, how we got it this fast. And I'm like, have you done any research to understand that? I said, we have a great podcast episode where we had someone to come on who explained why this has happened and why we're getting it at a, at a faster rate. But I, I just, I know a lot of people who aren't getting it. So it's not shocking to me, but it's so disappointing. It's so disappointing. Yeah, they don't, they won't take the vaccine, but then they'll go out and fucking eat the McRib. It's just an interesting time, you know? And that's not that the McRib is deli- isn't delicious because it is, but you don't ask questions about the McRib. You just eat that bitch. But the vaccine, you got to be Sherlock fucking Holmes in the house and something like that. I get it. I, I did all my research. I researched for months and months and months before I took the vaccine. Um, look, the hesitancy, I can understand. I understand people. Uh, they don't want to get side effects. They don't want to be in a situation to where they um, they don't feel like themselves or something happens to them. I, I, I get it. I think this also speaks to structures in the United States. Um, both pol- political and social as to why people don't have the trust that they should uh, for things like this. Um, COVID really exposed um, an eroding America. It really did. That used to be a time to where if there was a common enemy in America, it made us put our thing, uh, our separations and our differences aside for a second mm. to concentrate on that, you know, enemy. Yep. yep. And the World War II changed, it, changed the country, right? Economic. Yep. Boom. Things happened for for us as a people, you know. Now we could not get on the same page with COVID. We couldn't. We couldn't because it wasn't about us. It was about all the other things. Correct. It was about money going to the right people and it was about uh re like investing into certain people's loony conspiracy theories. It was about all of those things. So who which drug company was going to get the big score? It's just like we're we're at a, in a weird place. So what I would tell people is do whatever you feel like you need to do to keep yourself safe. You know, uh, I took the vaccine and that wasn't just for me. That was for the people that live in my building and other people like that. But do whatever you have to, you do to have to, to, to keep yourself safe. But I will tell you this. You have to do something to keep yourself safe. So if you're not going to wear a mask and you're not going to get the vaccine and you're not going to you're going to have to do something like when, when we say we're all in this together, like we're actually all in it together, you know, right. we're like, seriously. So I don't know. I don't know. As we're sitting I... here talking, the FDA just authorized Pfizer's Corona vaccine, coronavirus vaccine for children aged 12 to 15 by early next week. They're really trying early to get week. herd immunity and that's why they're, yeah, they're moving early next week. Okay. I'll take a break. Come right back. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, did you see this picture that Will Smith put up of himself? He's He said he's in the worst shape of his I, life. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it looked like a little bit like of a melted Carmelo. 
You know what I mean? Like those yeah, little caramels. It wasn't, it wasn't, you, when I saw the headline, I thought it was going to be something terrible. It wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't bad. It's a dad. He's fit. How old is he? 51? 50? 51. I think Will, I think like Will looks great. I think Will looks great. Well, he doesn't look great. But he, look, he looks he, great. But I'll, but I'll tell you this. I've never felt so seen. I'm up here at this place. Yesterday, I had to do a fitness assessment. All right. And I was telling the people, I don't want to do the fitness assessment. And they were like, why? I'm like, because it doesn't make any sense for me in this body to do the fitness assessment. And they're like, well, we got to know where we're starting. I'm like, I don't want to do the fitness assessment, okay? I don't want to do this stuff. I don't want to do all of it. And I was like, no. And they were like, yeah, you have to do it. So I had to do a vertical leap. I had to do... Like all of these different stretching drills and it's so all of this stuff the for them to see. Basically. Do you know what my vertical leap was yesterday? 38. Rachel. Oh, wait. This is a vertical leap. I'm thinking vertical jump. Sorry. Sorry. No, vertical jump. My vertical. Yeah, what do you okay, think my yeah. What do you think my vertical is right now? 38. 13. What's normal? 13. I don't know, but I know that when I was a good athlete, I had a 31-inch vertical. <laughs> and and, and I, my vertical was 13. Kalika jumped 20. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Kalika jumped twenty. It's like I'm like, yo, what the fuck? And this, 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 the woman. Your is attitude going like, was weighing you down. Your attitude. You went into it. It wasn't my attitude. It. Yes, it, it was. Wasn't my attitude. How many tries? How many tries, Van? It was my ass. Thirteen was tr- the best of three. Oh. I hit twelve on the first one, and the woman was like, "Okay, now you're warmed up. Let's see with the last one." I'm like, "Like I'm warm up? <laughs> give me like five inches. I'm 275 pounds. Like I, I can't jump right up. now." I can't jump right now. Like, it's just so bad. It's so, everything is so bad. And I'm, and I'm glad that Will put that out there. You know, I'm doing better. I'm like, you know, I'm, I, by the I'm way. I'm so when, glad you're out there. It's crazy is that by the time we did that shoot at, because um, we, we, we did like a little photo shoot or whatever for uh, Spotify a couple of weeks ago. Like, that was the day before my birthday. I had lost mad weight. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I saw you. Those last two weeks of April, between my birthday, between her birthday, between the party for the Oscars and then the dinners that everybody was throwing for all of that, it was a ham sandwich. You feel what I'm saying? Can you excuse yourself, please? You had a lot to celebrate. Another year, Kalika another year, Rachel another year. You won a freaking Oscar. Just give yourself a break for two weeks and just get back to it. Yeah, we're trying Just to get give yourself right a now. break. It's okay. Well, I see you, Will. I see you, brother. I'm in the same boat as you are. But didn't are, he say man. he's happy? Didn't he say he feels good? Well, maybe Wasn't he does. A po- I don't. A pause. I don't. I got to get back on it. I got to get back on it. Okay, you give yourself May- a break. You took a two week break. It's okay. You've you've we lost back. it before. And you can get back. Yeah. We we, yeah. we doing it. We doing it. We doing it. Yeah. Um. Chris Brown has said, fuck it. Man, let's let this be the last topic. Chris Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Brown said, fuck it. 
I don't give a fuck what people think about me. Okay, that's why I looked at this. So Chris Brown uh, is released a joint album with Tory Lanez. Chris wow. Brown just said, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, but hasn't he always said it? Yeah, that's, yes. that's Chris Brown? Okay, is it? Look, where like where are we supposed to do with Chris Brown? Well, apparently, I've, nothing, I've met, I've met I don't Chris, think people I've are Chris, doing anything. I've, I've met Chris Brown before. He was a nice guy. I played basketball with him and stuff. I know a lot of people who know him. But is it? Has everyone just moved on? I mean, I it's it seems prudent to move on. on. I'm asking. I'm like I'm asking. Like, yeah, what what is well, the I, proper way to view? Because it doesn't seem like it, it's the same thing. The, and the only reason why I say that is because this move right here seems like a pretty flagrant, like fuck you to everybody. Absolutely. You know what I mean? That he was going to work with who he wants to work with, do do what he wants to do, and and it just seems like that's it's just a fuck. Chris's don't give a fuck. You know? Yeah. And I, and, and even uh, coming back to this, what's going on with the Tory Lanes and Meg the Stallion situation? My, my exact same thoughts. Listen, I when I say that isn't that always Chris Brown, I'm not saying that he didn't give a fuck after what happened with Rihanna. Because um, I, I, I can't remember everything that he did. I know he was charged, unlike Tory Lanes. Uh, Tory Lanez's been charged, but I think he actually... What's the next step? I'm losing my words here. Anyways, well, Chris Brown was yeah. Chris Brown like uh, was sentenced. He pled guilty to sentence. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank yeah. you. He pled guilty. He admitted it. I, I I'm I when I say he doesn't like care, I just mean like just like what people think about him. He does his own thing. I'm not specifically talking about Rihanna, but to do us a, a collaboration, which I don't think Chris Brown has spoken out about that. Only Tory Lanez has said that this was happening. Has Chris Brown confirmed this to be true? I haven't seen it. Okay, so so from what we know, just to give some background, Tory Lanez was talking to somebody on something and said that he and Chris Brown have this collaboration coming out. Um, Chris Brown has collaborated with a lot of people. And I'm not saying Tory Lanez isn't talented, but of all the people that you could collaborate with in light of everything that's going on surrounding Tory Lanez and coupled with your history when it comes to women and domestic violence, I can't believe that you would do this. I don't understand. And I'm waiting to hear from him. I'm waiting for him to respond. Well, I don't think he's going to respond. I think, he, you know, I, I think that. Well, he's not announcing it. Yeah, I don't think that it's. I think that him and uh, Tory Lanez have been friendly. And uh, if anybody, sometimes what happens is if when you go through a situation like that and you're Chris Brown and if, when you wanted your career back and you wanted to kind of get back to the heights that you were at. One thing that you do is you have like empathy for guys who are in that situation. So even if it came out that that Tory Lanez had actually done that, I'm inclined to believe that Chris Brown would still still probably work with him after that. You know, uh, if he was I able to get out of jail for it. I mean, I, I I don't. It's not that I don't that I agree with it or disagree with it. I think a lot of times they look at it as, I mean, Tory Lanez has a lot more support than I, people I think see. that he does. No, I see that. I don't think people... I, people defended what he did and blamed Megan. And I'm not even talking about famous people. Tory Lanez has a lot of support. Uh, people are not giving Megan the benefit of the doubt. I, I, and it's almost as if people have moved on and are forgetting what Tory did. And so... Well, I, I people, just, are, people are... I, I will say this to... 
to that, people are going to move on the longer it takes for them to get answers. I just Because the longer it takes for them to get answers, the more they're going to be like, you, you know what I mean? The, the more, I mean, at this point, everybody's side is out there. People want answers. They want to know who they have to not fuck with or who they still can't fuck with. But know? he's been charged. Right. Okay, so he's been charged, y'all. So now it's going to work its way through the legal system before anything could happen. You got motions. You got evidentiary things that have to happen, pretrial procedures before you can even get to if there even would be a trial. Okay? So the fact that people are expecting something to happen immediately, that's not fair to take away from what actually happened to Megan. Or allegedly, fine, if you want me to use the what I believe to be true, but what allegedly happened to Megan. Okay. All right. So you I know what we're going to do? A bad look. And I think you have to start holding people accountable for when they do things like this. Of course. Uh, or they'll keep happening. They'll probably keep happening either way. We have but to care. Yeah. Like, said you, you have to care. You have to you care. You can't just I give people a pass because they're famous and you like their music and the way that they dance. So this is what we're going to do. Um, Although we do that all the time, by the way. Because, like, I could. We do that all the time. By the way. I know. So Van, Van's very serious questions of the week. I think we're not going to get a more serious question than how much money should Melinda Gates get? $100 million <laughs> is how much she should get. She should get $100 Three million. million. Three billion. That's, Three a, billion. that's a lot Gotta of money. Have a $100 million. Gotta have a billion. Gotta that's have a $100 million. million. She get $100 million. Uh, but we are, so we're going to get out of here at Thought Wars. Look, I appreciate everybody who reached out. Um, as like, uh, you know, letting me know and stuff like that. I also appreciate the people that did it just to be messy, you know. But guess what? We coming back with another joint pretty soon. More movies, more content, more everything, man. Tell your thing caps off. Do not stop learning. This is Van Lathan coming into you live from Lanai in Hawaii. Uh... And uh, are you going to tell people who you are before we leave, Rachel? Yes, on. Rachel Lindsay. Van, enjoy your vacation. It's a beautiful thing. Have another Mai Tai. Keep a smile on Mai your tai. face. And go practice that jump. By the time you leave, you at least should hit 15 by the time you leave. <laughs> I'm so fat. All right, bye. <laughs> bye.